from the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's Christmas 2020. You're listening to the best poker podcast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Now, I don't know if it if it was on the show or if I was talking to you or, you know, with, with all this quarantining and stuff, I can't keep track of who I'm talking to anymore, to be honest with you. But it was the other day I'm, I'm having a conversation and I said, you know, I, I don't really dream that much or I don't remember my dreams. And whenever I have a nightmare, the nightmare is always times related. Always, no matter what, if I have a nightmare or if I'm in a miserable dream, it's always me back at the times working the sports section. <laughs> yep. Right? I don't know if you have that same dream. Well, like where right you're there. It's not a dream. It's a nightmare. Yeah, nightmare. Right. You're, you're having a nightmare and you're at the business section. You're on deadline or something. You know, whatever it is. It's And it's always like, I can't believe I'm like, it's always, I can't believe the business failed. We were doing so well. And now I'm back in this hole miserable working for these miserable people you know and not not that they're miserable people like but in the dream they are you know because they're in my or my nightmare that's just i'm oh and i just can't believe it. and then i wake up and i'm like oh shoot you know and i used to think that was my only nightmare that i would have but it turns out that's not the only nightmare i have <laughs> welcome to 2020 chris <laughs> exactly a week left and you finally figured out the nightmare that we're all in right now exactly so the other nightmare that i have is i'm always playing poker against people that I know and they're always going all in and I'm always folding and my stack is constantly dwindling every single time uh, after every single hand because I'm in every hand with a good starting hand and I'm calling a raise or I'm raising myself and here's the kicker the last nightmare I had you were on my left Laura was across from me I think Jeannie, Jeannie was in between the two of you and it was like Faso and Gambit on the right. And we're playing poker. And I'm looking down. And I look down at like King King. And I raise. And it folds around to Laura. And Laura calls. And then the other guys fold. And we're heads up. And the flop comes ace, rag, rag. And she's like, I'm all in. And I'm like, I, I have to fold. So I fold. Very next hand, I have, she raises. I call with ace, king. Flop comes ace king rag. I bet out. She looks at me and she has this confident kind of dismissive look like I'm all in and she waves her hands at me like like with the back of her hands. I'm all in. Like I know you're gonna fold. And I look down, I'm thinking, she raised pre flop. Either she's got the case aces for a set of aces or the case kings for a set of kings and I'm drawn dead. I have to fold. And that was the dream over and over and over again. I would have like ace, queen, king, king. I would raise and somebody would go all in. And I, I it was one of those time lapse things where I could watch my stack go down, down, yeah, down. Yeah. And it just kept happening. And then I woke up like in this nervous sweat. And I'm like, oh, my God. So it turns out that I have two nightmares, playing poker where I can never win a hand and going back to work for the times. And that just happened this week. So, yeah. So if you had that option – Somebody said, "Hey, you know, let's say, uh, you know, we're all going the same place when we're we're on, done on this earth, so it's going to be miserable for both of us, right?" So, yep. when you get there and they say, "Hey, these are your two options for the eternity," which one are you picking? Definitely poker. Yeah, yeah, I would rather have a bad day playing poker than have a good day at the times. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that it wasn't so much of a choice that it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't really much of a choice. But, I mean, I, it's funny because it, the worst part was I always had a good hand and I couldn't win with it, you know. And then I was playing against people that, like, didn't, you knew that they didn't know what they were doing, but you couldn't call because on the one hand that they would go all in on, they'd have it, and then you'd lose your whole stack. Oh, man, it was such a nightmare. But, yeah, I would definitely choose my worst day of poker over my best day of work any day of the week. <laughs> well, you know, hey, it's funny. Um, I had a, a good friend uh, that I just saw last week. She sent me the um, text this morning that she had a dream uh, with us and some of our other friends. And, and while I saw her, she was telling me that she was having some work-related dreams as well, too. She owns a bar, and uh, the bar's been shut down since March. So yeah. it's kind of weird that uh, she was having dreams about <laughs> working when she hasn't worked since, <laughs> since March. But uh, so it, 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 I really, it's been a long time since I have a dream that I remembered. It's crazy because, like, right when COVID started, it was like every day you'd wake up and you'd remember seven dreams. Right? Yeah, yeah. They wrote a story about that along yeah, the wires. Yeah, the phenomenon was, but it was somehow explained and yeah. uh, made sense to me. But uh, so I don't know if I've just uh, my mind is like, all right, forget it. I've done all the dreaming I can do for this year here on your own or what. But uh, I'm actually kind of upset because I kind of. I enjoy dreams sometimes. Yeah, and that's the thing is that some of the dreams that I have now, it's like as you're waking up from it, you're like, oh, oh, that's a good – I'm going to remember that. And then you go back to sleep, and then when you wake up the next time, you're like, what did I dream about? And then I God, can't remember God. it. Oh, I hate that. And, and there's no like uh, you know digital recording of it, right? So you can't go back. <laughs> that's and- right. Remind yourself of what that funny line was. It was it's gone forever, right? No one else saw it or heard it. So it's like that Slimefield episode when he writes down the dream, the dream in the uh, in the middle of the joke in the middle of a dream or whatever, and then the next day he can't figure out what he wrote. <laughs> Who's the guy with the? He was from uh, Groundhog Day, right? He was uh, the guy oh, selling yeah, insurance. Yeah, Ned. yeah. Ned. so he had the Ned right, and he had the the triangle on on George's head, trying to teach him homeopathy or whatever the hell it was, he picks up the piece of paper and he starts laughing at the joke and Sanford's like, what the hell? What's the joke saying? And he's like, it's very funny. Um, <laughs> but the same thing. You can't you can't write down your dreams in the middle of the night just so you'll remember a dream. It's not that important. But I always forget them no matter what I do. Well, I, I hope you sleep better in the coming year, Chris. So. <laughs> I hope so, too. One more week of this crap. <laughs> All right, 11 finalists, including the first duo ever nominated, have been announced for this year's Poker Hall of Fame class, with just one to be selected by a vote of all living members of the Hall of Fame. The duo is the ESPN commentating team of Lon McCarran and Norman Chad, and other first-time nominees, including Patrick Atonius and Stars founder Isa Scheinberg. Tournament director extraordinaire Matt Savage returns to the finalist list after dropping off last year, and the rest of the list includes nominees from last year, Elia Lezra, Antonio S. Fondiari, Chris Ferguson, Ted Forrest, Mike Matisau, and Huckleberry Seed. The lone inductee will be announced on December 30th with a formal induction ceremony to be scheduled in 2021 when Chris Cassandra sleeps better. <laughs> it sounds so funny when they say lone inductee, yet we have a duo. Yes. Oh, right. you know, doesn't sound so, right. I wonder if they get like half a plaque if they get in <laughs> it's like the amulet right where they have two pieces and then yeah, yeah. someday they'll meet up and put their amulet together to make one thing <laughs> and then next year they each get a half a vote that's so. right or that's they right. get one vote and they have to agree on it like, yeah they have to agree on the vote or they can't vote. vote and we had to sit there and slug each other out until we could come up with what we agreed on oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this poker stars guy that's an interesting nominee isn't it 
Uh, well, you know, one of the things that I think um, I, I know a lot of people will criticize, but I, it doesn't bother me too much, um, is the, the folks behind picking the uh, potential nominees um, seem to not be swayed too much about the negative side of these players if their upside was extraordinary. Um, yeah. Right. Um, and, and I kind of, uh, I, I, I'm one of those people that kind of agree with that. I'm not a big cancer culture uh, guy. I believe Pete Rose should be in the hall of fame. Um, I think it's kind of a travesty that he's not Mm -hmm. the guy that played that well and he's not in there because he, you know, placed a couple bets, but whatever. Um, now obviously some of these other folks, uh, are, um, it's a little, more dangerous, you know. You get Chris Ferguson, who's wrapped up in the whole full tilt thing. The extent of his knowledge, we don't really know, right? But yeah. and then, of course, uh, uh, with Scheinberg, uh, you know, uh, PokerStars being an online uh, operating largely, I don't want to say illegally, but un- unlicensed for so long, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but I mean, it, it's really hard to criticize the upside of both of those nominees, right? Um, you know, the fact that, I mean, I can't even imagine what poker would be like now had it not been for poker stars. Right. Um, just the sheer size of what, what he grew that the, the company into. And uh, and then remember, uh, uh, poker stars is the one that uh, we were even talking about last night. I was at a, um, a restaurant and somebody that I didn't know play poker was talking to me about how he got a check from Full Tilt a couple years ago and didn't know where it was from. <laughs> His check was way bigger than the check I got. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, so I had to tell him, like you know, that check came from Poker Stars. It didn't come from Full Tilt. You know, they they bought Full Tilt and made good on all the debts, and uh, so there, there's something to be said for that as well, too. So, um, so you know, whether you you take into account the fact that he, uh, um, you know, essentially hid out in Europe for a while before he finally surrendered and and uh, <clears throat> um, dealt with the, the charges he had is uh, is kind of a, an individual decision for those living hall of fame members right so yeah but but i think it's hard to um and i would say unfair to to not uh, recognize the uh, positive um contributions of folks are we going to make a prediction today ah oh, man you know i really i really don't know i i, I can eliminate a couple how's that okay all right, I, I, I love the fact that they have the duo. Uh, I love Lon McCarran and Norman Chad to death. Uh, um, they're just absolutely fantastic human beings. Every time I've met them, they are exactly like they are on TV, um, which is fantastic. Um, I, I think that seems to be a little bit of a novelty in this group. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I think we can safely say that's not going to happen this year, uh, maybe in the future. Um, I, I think it's probably a little too new um, for Scheinberg. Um, again, he's probably going to be on there for a couple of years and we'll see what happens, but, uh, I would be surprised if he's a nominee yeah. this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's really, I mean, when, when you look at these last, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six that have consistently been on the, the list for the last couple of years. I, I have to think it's going to have to come from one of the, that group. I agree. Um, now which one that is. I, I don't know. Um, I, I might lean towards Ted Forrest, but I would not be surprised if, if any one of these six are the ones. Yeah, I, I would say I, if I had my choice, I'd want to be Matt Savage um, of all these people. Um, of course. But you know, because he dropped off and then came back on, it's probably less likely <laughs> he'll get picked over the players. Um, I, don't, I think Ellie is still kind of uh, involved or whatever in that 
you know, controversy at that time with all the money and all that stuff. So that might have still hurt him for a while. Um, Ferguson, same thing. That still may hurt him with the stuff that happened to Full Tilt. Ted Forrest was kind of connected to Full Tilt, but I don't know if he's popular enough to get it. Mike Mattis, always controversial. Huxie is kind of, you know, for some reason, I don't know if it's that he hasn't done enough recently that people, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to make a prediction and say I think Antonio's going to get in this year. Okay. Um, he's he's still around. He's still amazing. He still has the largest single victory and you know and all that or whatever. So I think that he uh, he might get in this year. But you know you never know. Every every year we're always like, oh wow. So yeah, he's certainly the most visible of those six. Yeah. Um, and consistently doing uh, good stuff and giving back uh, to the game. So um, I think uh, it'd be interesting. I haven't looked at the betting sites yet. I'm sure there's betting sites already up with odds. So that would be oh, interesting. Yeah. To see what yeah. They said, but um, but I wouldn't be surprised if um, Antonio, as you mentioned, would be uh, the favorite with this group. So all right. We'll see. We'll see. All right. The Michigan Gaming Control Board has issued 15 provisional online gaming licenses, and online gaming is expected to begin in the state in January. Poker, however, will not launch immediately. Additionally, Governor Gretchen Whitmer is expected to sign a bill to allow interstate gaming if she doesn't get kidnapped and hidden in a beach house. Uh, and that would allow combined player pools uh, with other states for poker, which obviously is a big, big deal. So. Yeah, it's only a matter of time, right? I mean, that's it's going to happen. It's just right now they want to get everything sorted out, and then poker will get added. Yeah, yeah. Anytime one of these states comes on, I think that's the thing that we all need to um, uh, hope for is that the powers that be allow um, that shared liquidity because that's that's what really moves us forward. I mean, if you could think back to this hybrid World Series that we had this year that's going to wrap up next week, um, imagine how much bigger that would be if instead of having to be in uh, Nevada or New Jersey, you could have been in Michigan or Delaware or West Virginia or Pennsylvania or exactly. Delaware, any of these other states that, that allow it. Um, and then um, and then again, it's, it, we talked about this, it's kind of a snowball thing, right? So when you get these big states that, that one, allow online poker, and then two, join um the the interstate compact, it's almost kind of a snowball thing to to get some other states looking at it uh, because now it, now it looks the revenue looks a little bit better right when you for folks that understand this when you know that hey now our players are sharing that liquidity with six seven other states and and some larger ones as well too so yeah it it, it makes the argument a little bit easier to make I mean again it's still an uphill battle um, in almost every state for this. But once you can start showing that, and again, we're uh, we're coming up on a, on a year when these budget discussions are going to be brutal. They, they weren't bad this year um, because, you know, people were living on savings and credit cards and um, other things. But uh, next year is going to be the real difficult financial year for the world, really. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Or United States and the and the states, and that's when the creativity is going to have to really come out. So, um, you know, obviously we wish none of this happened, but uh, hopefully the the bright spot in it is that will help lawmakers see the uh, that this is not a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yep, exactly. All right. Uh, oops. You there? I should have done this by memory. I said that last week I was going to do it right, and I can't. Here's this week's update on casinos and poker room reopenings. Uh, there are no updates. <laughs> No, I was That's why I was wasn't sure if we were going to actually read it or not. I'm like, there really were no updates. Enjoy your holidays, folks. <laughs> <laughs> we're <called stuff. laughs> 
Uh, but do remember, as we announced last week, that uh, on uh, December 26th, the day after Christmas, is when Harris Atlantic City reopens. So yeah. it hasn't reopened yet, even though we announced it. So there we go. That's kind of sort of an update to look forward to. So, Yay. Not accounting for the recent temporary closings, which have been many. Uh, we now have 210 reopened poker rooms in the United States. And, of course, you all know the rest of it. Antiupmagazine.com slash reopen. Let's verify details on casino poker room reopenings. If you have updates, emails at editor at antiupmagazine.com. And we also are emailing a weekly e-blast with updates that you can subscribe to on the homepage at antiupmagazine.com. And now Chris will do his by memory. Yeah, any updates. I'm going to do them in reverse. That's how well I oh, know there them. Oh, we go. <laughs> uh, no, let's, uh, let's do a normal. Papes, the uh, Antiup Fans Free Online Tournament Series on PokerStars Play Money site is available everywhere. Uh, details on how you can join can be found at bit.ly slash P-A-I-P-S. Games are on the 6th, 16th, and 26th of every month. Rotate disciplines in the main tournament followed by a second chance event. PokerStars lets you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. Uh, join the Antiup Fans Group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call-the-floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Antiup logo designs on merchandise at antiupmagazine.com shop. Buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and more with your choice of the Anti-Up Magazine, Anti-Up Poker Cast, or Anti-Up Poker Tour logos. If you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or post in the aforementioned Anti-Up Fans group on Facebook. We have a new O'Malley's move today. Here it comes. And welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're playing a home game we don't regular, but have been to in the past. It's a $1, $2 no limit hold'em game that usually runs between 6 and 8 handed. We are 6 handed tonight. It's early on in the night, so we don't have much information on our opponents. The two we do know are not involved in this hand. The blinds post, the under the gun folds, the MP limps with 170 behind, the cutoff folds, and we're on the button with our starting stack of 200 and the ace of clubs, 10 of diamonds. We decide to raise it up here to $10. The small blind calls, the big blind folds, and the MP calls. Remember, we don't have a whole lot of info to go off here. They're both relatively young players and have been friendly so far. The pot is $32, and the flop is the Ten of Clubs, Five of Clubs, Tray of Hearts. The action is checked to us. We have top pair and backdoor flush and wheel draws. We make it $20 to go. Both players call relatively quickly. The pot is $92, and the turn is the Four of Clubs. Without warning, the small blind shoves for $90, and the MP calls after thinking for a few seconds. This is certainly an interesting development. What's the move? It's time to advance the PokerTrain.com hand of the week. Send your hands for situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Longtime listener, first-time contributor, Brandon Huff. <laughs> Vic 2.0. We, we have him on retainer. Uh, and he just sent us another one this week, too. So we will... Uh, and we'll see how that goes. So. Hey, stop sending hands so we can end the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So now i got to figure out how to move your big head because it's in the way again. Oh, man. Not moving. Oh, there we go. All right. 
All right, here we go. Um, all right, so again, this is uh, this week he's back in a live one of the North New Hampshire uh, charity poker rooms. Uh, I'm playing one three no limit. Hold on, it's six handed. He bought in for three hundred, and he says it's a fairly tight, aggressive table. Chris, he's playing very active and aggressive, and uh, he's up to about four hundred at this point. Okay. Uh, the low jack limps, and it folds to us in the small blind. We have the ace of clubs, queen of clubs. Well, you don't want to just call, I think. It's going to suck because you're no matter what, if you get any kind of action, you automatically are out of position. Um, but if it's been, like you said, a pretty aggressive uh, table that's been fairly tight, then you'll probably get heads up, and it's a really good starting hand. So, um, you know, I would probably make it 3x plus the, the limp. So whatever that would be, nine, twelve. So I'd probably make it like fifteen, probably something like that. Yeah, um, um, long-time listeners of the show will know that I'm not a big fan of Ace Queen. I'm not a big fan of raising it, uh, raising with it. Um, uh, if I'm first in the pot, I'm definitely raising. Uh, we are not first in the pot here, but it's six-handed. We got a, a, a really weak limp from the low jack here. I don't know what what's causing that person to limp in a six-handed game. You definitely got to be raising with anything that, that you think is playable at that point. So I, I definitely think a raise is in order here. So whatever we think the standard is, and uh, I'm good with that. So um, And our hero uh, does raise the $16, uh, both the big blind and the limper call. So three-handed, interesting. And he says, uh, seat four plays tight aggressive with some big raises at times. He three bets often. The one time I four bet, I got called, but won the hand with a river bet. Uh, it was an ace high flop and I had ace queen. I'm surprised he called me here from the big blind. Feeling he must have a decent hand. Uh, seat six, who is a low jack, is a big guy, businessman, wearing Patriot sweatshirt. Plays conservative, but plays some strange hands to bemoan the advent of cell phones and that no one really talks around the poker tables anymore. He's here to socialize, a true recreational player. It's weird. He's a businessman who wears a Patriot sweatshirt. You know, when you think of <laughs> well, businessman, you're like, he's got a suit and tie on or something, you know? <laughs> Okay, whatever. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so uh, $48 in the pot. The flop is the Ace of Spades, Jack of Hearts, Jack of Spades, and we are first act. Well, I mean, it's it's a decent flop for us. We've hit our Ace. We've got second kicker. The Jack-Jack always scares you because someone loves to play a Jack in their hand, you know, when they're defending or when they're, you know, limping with Jack-10 or something. So you always have to be cautious about that, but flushes aren't getting there. Um, it's going to have to go runner runner so that's one of the things you don't have to worry about do you really have to worry about Broadway here is someone really oh, calling you a king queen huh? ace spades and jack spades oh there's two spades oh okay yeah. I wrote that wrong I'm sorry uh, oh yeah so now it's a little more wet so yeah. I mean you got to defend your bet you, you got to keep control of this pod you were the one that raised so I have no problem betting out like I don't know 30 maybe probably 30 sounds good to me I mean it's it's a hand that you know I don't think Ace King is out there. No guy who limped doesn't have Ace King. It's six-handed. The, the, the guy in the big blind defending probably would re-raise with Ace King or might just call, but it's hard to imagine Ace King out there. It could be out there, but it's hard to imagine. Um, the Jack is what I'm really worried about, but I have to put some sort of bet out there. I can't just now check and let somebody steal it from me just because I'm first to act. So 30 bucks maybe, I'm betting it. So uh, here's a real problem, and we talk about this all the time, why small blind is the worst place to be at the table. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, yeah, so we did hit this board, and we paired our ace, which is nice. Um, 
obviously there's two Broadway cards out there. There's two spades out there. So there's a lot of danger. Two jacks. Uh, very. Uh, we can't dismiss any of our opponent, either one of our opponents, from having a jack in their hand. Um, so the danger we have in betting is getting uh, raised by somebody representing one of those hands who doesn't have it, and then we have to figure it out, right? Right. Um, or if we check. Uh, we, we give some free cards to what is a, a fairly dangerous board now. So uh, this is really a, a, a no-win situation, I think. Um, so generally, I would continue to bet, and um, we'll find out um, what happens. It, what, what I'm worried about, though, is it's a fairly tight, aggressive table, has been um, as it's been described. So you know, if it's more of a passive table, a bet would be would kind of get us that information, right? Because those folks are much less likely in that kind of table to play back at us with nothing yeah. and try to represent these hands. Yeah. And we'd have a better chance of taking this down or uh, getting a, a worse hand to call. Um, so with it being this aggressive, um, I, I think the chances of somebody do somebody raising us here with nothing are much higher. So uh, we, we've got to figure out in our mind what, what's our level of um, exposure that we're willing to have. In that situation, are we going to re-raise them to find out, you know, whether they actually have something? Um, if we're willing to do that, then you absolutely have to bet here, right? Uh-huh. Um, if you're not comfortable doing that, then then I do think you have to maybe consider a call here and turn this into a kind of a trapping hand, um, just knowing that there's a lot of cards that are going to come in these next two cards that are not going to be good for you. Well, the hardest part for people to uh, to combat in a hand like this is if somebody raises preflop and they're doing it out of position, you almost always give them credit for an ace or a right. really good hand. And so we've set up the story. We've raised preflop in a terrible position. So knowing that we're in a terrible position means they must think we probably have some sort of ace or some sort of pair. Now an ace comes and we bet we're continuing on with that story. And so for them to now bluff us off this hand, they absolutely have to be, positive we don't have an ace don't have a jack or that we're the type of player that can understand that they would likely have a jack in this spot and so they're going to bluff us off our ace though it's there's a lot of upper level thinking to try to get a bluff to work here um i think it's upon us that we have to bet here to continue the story that we have an ace even though we really do have an ace i think you you can't just check here and let them steal it with a jack and then put you to the decision we want to make them make the tough decisions not us so i agree with you i think that uh i think i i need to it's funny because when they're described as a fairly tight aggressive table to me that means that you know you're, you're aggressive when they have the cards but they're not aggressive as bluffers. So right. if yep. somebody's doing something crazy here, it's, it'll be shocking to me. So I think it seems pretty ABC, really. Um, I, I'm going to bet 30, and hopefully he'll bet something so I'll know what they'll do. All right, our hero does bet 25, and both players call. Ooh. Um, he'll say, he says, I'll bet on the small side with just about everything on a board like this. This helps keep the pot small. Flush draws won't fold to a... Basically, any bet here, lesser aces I want to keep interested. I think most pocket pairs will call. And, of course, a jack isn't folding. Um, the SPR is also about eight, which is an awkward size. Yeah, I, I don't – I'm never really concerned myself about that. It's I'm, – I'm more concerned with the moment, not the SPR. But anyway, that's it's, it's, it's important. It's just to me I'm just more worried about their – 
I, I always worry about their, their playing and their ability, not their, their chips. Some people don't even consider that, you know, especially in a 1-3 game. Um, yeah. But anyway, the two calls. So if you want to analyze the calls, one sounds like a draw, one sounds like an ace, or it could be someone slow playing a jack. Those are the three scenarios we're looking at here. I don't think we're looking at somebody floating, and I don't think we're looking at somebody with a pair that's under an ace. I don't think they don't believe that the other two don't have an ace. So it's clearly someone slow playing a jack, someone's got a draw, or someone has um, an ace that's like ours, maybe even raggier. So those are the three scenarios I'm going to take moving forward with my action. Yeah, and all those things are scary, but what I like, uh, I'm fortunate, I feel fortunate that we didn't get raised there and be put to that test, because that's, that's really what I was going to be stressed out about, yeah. is, you know, whether you're going to have to re-raise there and make this a, a, a big pot now with a lot of danger out there. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, even though we may be up against some um, hands that have us beat or our hands that, that may be favorite stars, um, the pot is as small as it, it could reasonably be at this point. So that's a good thing. Yep, good. All right, with $123 in the pot, the turn is the King of Clubs, so our board now is Ace of Spades, Jack of Hearts, Jack of Spades, King of Clubs, and again, because we're small blind, we will always have to act first. Yeah. Um, One of the things that I like about this card is, you know, if somebody has like Ace, Nine, Ace, Ten, you know, if they hit their Ten, it's not going to matter. This card now will probably chop it for us with someone else which kind of sucks um but it also i i I think that you're not going to see queen 10 here i don't think someone's playing queen 10 trying to hit a gutter so it doesn't scare me in any way um it makes it less likely somebody had ace king so uh i i don't mind this king really it kind of hurts us in that a raggedy ace now chops with us um and they might use that against us, too. That's the other thing. Um, but the draw didn't get there. The Broadway draw did, but I just don't think someone had Queen-10. Uh, so I'm going to keep betting. I, I I think that it didn't really hurt. It hurt us in the fact that we could now split with somebody, but I don't think it improved anyone's hand as far as beating our hand. So I'm going to keep betting. So it was like 123 in the pot, you said, so I'll bet half, maybe 100, maybe 50, 55. You know, I was thinking 60, so maybe 50, 55, something like that. Well, yeah, and remember the story that that we're telling it is that we're the strongest player at this uh, strongest hand at this table, right? Right. We raised from the small blind. No one's played back at us at all. So while we try to put people on hands, they have to put us on hands, right? So there there could be a reasonable uh, concern from somebody with a jack that we had pocket aces or pocket kings. So the fact that the king came makes it a little more dangerous for those folks as well, too. So, um, you know, again, our hand did not improve. As you mentioned, it actually got worse because we were chopping with um, some other aces. But uh, our story got better, I think. So um, betting is a little bit easier here, um, and the chances of getting re- uh, raised are less likely now. So, um, and if we were, we, we do have the best hand here that th- those are good scenarios right right the the fact that a raggy ace might now fold to a bet because they might believe we had ace king and we have a better two pair right. you know aces up i i think that that might help us uh to get the raggy ace six that called in the big blind or something to fold so um yeah i'm just going to continue with a bet and uh let that story continue to be told all right, our hero bets $50. He says, I'm either still way ahead or way behind. I'm losing to any jack and ace-king, uh, but I was losing that to before also. 
And from the call preflop, I think it's very unlikely either of them have it. And a very unlikely queen 10 um, suited only, I think. Maybe the only possible one now is queen of spades, 10 of spades. The big blind calls, but the low jack folds. Okay. I'm not sure I can discount any more hands. I'm still betting pretty small, so giving okay odds to a flush draw. I'm keeping the pot small as I can without giving up the lead, as I only have one pair effectively. Um, and I do think that's the right way to play this. You know, you obviously want to bet the right amount to make those draws uh, make a mistake, correct? But um, mm-hmm. but our, we're we're in a vulnerable position with a vulnerable hand, and um, I really do think pot control is a, is a strong consideration here. Like the um, that the good news is the low jack folded because. I would think that a person defending their blinds is probably doing it with some sort of ace. Right. Um, they and may defend their blinds with a jack, yep. but when you see a limper and then a razor, and now you know there's still someone behind you left to act, you're probably getting out of the way with jack something, unless it's ace jack. The only hand that, you know, and then even ace jack might even pop it again, which probably not, but six handed, it could just be a raggy ace. Um, that's along for the ride, and you're probably chopping. Uh, but uh, I like the fact that the low jack. I, I think our hand improved just now with our odds of winning improved just now with the low jack folding. Yeah, I, I was going to say my big concern here was low jack having something like jack ten, you know, a hand that plays well but that wasn't comfortable raising with, right? And it was was kind of walking the dog on us. Um, now that could still be the big blind, but I think it's a little less likely that the big blind would would call our raise with jack ten there. So, um, so the fact that the low jack is out, the, does help. I mean, if nothing else, it's one less player that we have to try to figure out. Yeah. Uh, uh, because there's still going to be a lot of cards that come on the river that aren't going to be good for us. So, yeah. Um, all right. The 223 Skittles in the pot and the river is the six of hearts. So our final board is ace of spades, jack of hearts, jack of spades, king of clubs, six of hearts. And once again, we are first to act. Yeah, I mean, that's a good card. Obviously, the flush didn't get there in case the person was calling for flushes. Um, it's not going to improve. Someone isn't making all these calls and all these whatever with 6-6, six, six, so obviously they don't have sixes full. So it's a great card. It's a blank. Um, 223 in the pot. I I think I'm happy check calling. Uh, if the person shoves, then we're going to have to think about it. But I don't really see – there's no more cards to come. There's no more – setting up or keeping pot size small let's just check and call uh we got a decent hand to show down um i don't see any reason the only way i get value out of this hand now is if i'm positive this person doesn't have me beat and if they are going to bluff i'm going to call their bluff that's the only way that i'm going to make more money on this hand i feel like so i think that i'm going to check call i don't think i'm going to bet again yeah, I, this is a tough spot, I think, because, um, again, uh, I, I don't think the six changed any dynamic here. Um, uh, my knee jerk is to do what you said is check call. I mean, we, we've, we've led the action at this point. You know, if we've been, the, uh, our dog's been walked here, um, let's not put more money in than we have to. Um, my concern with checking though, is it allow two, two things. One, uh, it eliminates the possibility of getting this, our opponent to fold here with something. Um, and I'm trying to think of what would be that he would fold that would, uh, would beat us. So, yeah, um, so I'm saying there's so no hand that beats us. That's going right? to fold. So, uh, the other thing too is, um, having him bluff back at us. And as you mentioned, if we check here and he shoves or puts, puts us to a big test, then we're going to have to figure that out. But, but that's kind of poker, right? So, 
Uh, I feel like we have a pretty strong hand here. You know, if we are up against that that jack, you know, it's it's going to be tough to get away from it anyhow. So, so maybe the check call is the way to go. And um, Let, let's say we continue the 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 the, vote, the betting that we've done. We've incre- incremental every time. So now with a pot that big, you're betting about a third of the pot or so on the river. So you're looking at like eighty bucks here. So now you bet eighty. Now if the guy bluffs at you, it's going to be hard to fold. Anyway, so now yeah. you're I hoping he doesn't have a jack. Like, I was just thinking about that. I'm like, you know, if he bets big here, I mean, what what, what kind of hand is going to bet big here, right? Uh, I almost kind of want to check and have him bluff big at this because our our there's really not much to our hand uh, that that we're lose to that would bet that big bet, right? So I think this is a good time to actually kind of induce a bluff from our opponent. Yeah, I don't mind checking. I think that if you bet and then he shoves, you're going to have to call. And if he turns over a jack somehow, now if you were to not bet, he would make a value bet of like the, what we were going to bet out at, like 80, and you're comfortably can yeah. call 80. Yeah. But if yeah. you bet and now he's got the jack and he shoves, you're put to a test, and it's hard to fold for the last two, whatever your hand, yet, uh, 200 you have left or whatever. I, I just think the check call is the way to go. And if you don't get – like the guy turns over – an ace and you're chopping with him well you weren't going to get that money back anyway because i mean the only way you're going to get him to fold now is if you shove and then he believes you have a jack and then you're putting all your stack at risk and not even knowing if he has the jack i I think the safer more effective play here is to just check call and if he shoves on you when you check that's going to be a tell too to me i think anybody who has a jack there wants value from you having an ace they're not going to try to scare you out of the hand so they're going to want value this is a one three table six-handed in New Hampshire. This isn't online where somebody's just shoving because they've got limitless funds and can fool around and make that stupid play. I really think that if somebody shoved on you on a check here, they wouldn't have the jack. So I feel yeah, like you, a check call is the way to go. You did um, uh, explain better where I was going with the, the, the getting the fold would be, let's say that he, uh, the big blind is holding onto a ragged ace here, right? You could get them to fold here if they, they actually thought that you had ace-king and they were they – were, um, that might be the only scenario where yeah. where that would get somebody out. So yeah, but all right, our, our hero says this is a really good river for me. It completes no more draws, and I can't see six six sticking around this long. I bet seventy five dollars. The big blind shoves and has me covered. It's the rest of my stack to call about two hundred fifty dollars. Ugh. Uh. <laughs> well, what we say it's going to be hard to fold. We'll see. So there was two twenty three. So there's three hundred in the pot, and then he puts. Uh, shoves, so that would be 75 on top of that, so that would be 375 and then 250, so it'd be 5. We're going to have like 600 in there. You have to call 250 to win 600, and you're probably chopping, but you could be behind a jack. This is the hardest part. To me, now, if we had just checked, the guy would have bet 80, and we would have called. So now yeah. you got to decide whether to call or not. I hate being put in this position. I would have just checked. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, this is where we're talking about. So if we check there and they shove, I can feel pretty confident that uh, we're going to make that call because that that's a, a pretty out of line bet for a jack. Mm-hmm. The fact that we bet the seventy five and got raised to two fifty, I, I can't discount the jack now, right? Yeah. So uh, at the same time, I can't discount a bluff. So uh, the big blind, regardless of what he has, has played this hand very well. He's played our position against us very well, right? Yeah. He's not given us any information whatsoever throughout this entire hand until now. So we, we really are guessing at this point. So I, I would say 
a bet like this is one of two things. It's he knows you don't have ace-ace because he has an, an ace in his hand, and he's thinking the odds of you having the case-ace are really rare. So he's just bluffing, hoping that you'll fold down. A, he's the one now hoping that you'll fold the better hand. Right. Yep. Or he has a jack. And you have to make that decision. 50-50, you're getting better than 50-50 odds on your money, I guess. So it's up to you. It's a coin flip, really. Um, I feel like... It's tough. If I go all the way back to the beginning, I think it's tough to imagine somebody defending with a jack unless it's specifically ace-jack. And I think ace-jack somehow comes alive somewhere in this hand, but maybe not until the end, but maybe not. Yeah, because ace-jack's not worried about the draw, so that's 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 yeah. a legitimate fear right here. So, so that's really the only hand I feel like eight, that would have defended their blind with would be ace-jack. And it's such a it's, it's such, such a, a rarity. Raise, though, right? Yeah. And not only that, but then we have the other ace, too, and that's... Uh. Yeah. So I feel like I'm going to make a call here, and it's like an Omaha hand where you're calling the chop, and you hate to do that. But it feel like you're, I feel like we're chopping, but I don't, I'm not confident. Um, I don't know if I can lay it down now for that. I mean, I put so much out there, and I'm getting decent money on top pair, second kicker. Actually, top kicker, if you think about it, because the king is on the board. So... I don't know. I feel like we're just chopping, but I don't think I can let it go. I feel like I've read it. I've read the situation, and I feel like if he had a jack, he would have to be ace-jack, and it couldn't be any other jack. I mean, maybe queen-jack calls a raise. I don't know, but they knew they were going to be out of position to the low-jack. Would they have called a raise a queen-jack? Maybe. I don't know, but then we have ace-queen, so now we have one of the queens. That, you know, I don't know. Um, I If I'm in the moment on the ship or at Derby Lane or something... Maybe I fold because I just can't believe that, you know, I can't believe my bad luck and you get that negative thoughts get in your head and then you lay it down because you think the guy's got a jack. Um, but in my office here where we're doing the show, I, I think we're splitting, chopping, and I'm going to call. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, the, it's cliche to say why why so much, right? But it, there's a point to it, right? So. You know, this this is a bigger raise than we would have expected from Ace Jack, uh, or really any Jack at this point, I think. So I, I do have to. It doesn't change too much from what we talked about about checking and then having the person, you know, shove on us, right? I, I think the scenario is very similar here. So uh, my spidey senses are are tingling here. I, I feel like uh, he's trying to push us off his hand, and. Um, if I'm wrong, it, it, it's a good bet, but because there is that strategy, right, of betting big on these rather than the traditional value bet that you bet big and hoping that somebody analyzes the way we just did and, and you get more of the stack. But um, you don't necessarily see that at one three very often. So yeah, yeah. Um, I have a feeling that that uh, most likely we are chopping this pot, um, and if I'm wrong on that, that we're winning this pot. I, I, I feel I feel like we're not losing. So okay, good. Okay, we're in agreement then. All right, Rahiro says, I tanked for a long time here. I apologize to the table, but this is a tough one. Yep, I agree. It certainly yeah, is. It is. Uh, it's possible he has a jack and slow played it the whole way, but that doesn't feel right. I can't see another value bet that beats me that he would play this way to this point. I have no real good reads on what he may have, but there seem to be a lot more bluffs than value. I eventually call, and we chop because he turns over to ace eight offsuit. Wow, ace eight. Yeah, that, like we talked about earlier, you go back to the beginning, and that makes sense. He's defending with an ace because he's not really sure what you're doing with. Then he hits his ace, and he likes the high cards because now he's thinking, well, my eight isn't going to play soon if another high card comes out. 
So he calls, and the king comes out. Now he's thinking, all right, if my buddy here had ace-10 or ace-queen, we're chopping. But it was it, he tried to bluff at the end. He tried to say, okay, I think we had the same hand, but if I can get him to fold, you know, you know, that's the thing, though, is there's no – the only way he's – that's what he's trying to do. Is the only way to win the whole pot is to make him think we have a jack because he knows yep. – yep. You know, he knows what we have. He knows we don't have a jack. Because he knows if we flop the jack, we're not going to bet that strong. We're probably going to check because we're out of position and make it look like we're weak. So he knows we don't have a jack. He knows we don't have ace-ace. So there you go. That's that's the smart play there. The guy knows that he's probably chopping with us. It's just like when you see the broadways on the board and you don't think the person's paying attention and you shove, hoping that he'll fold and you get the whole pot instead of half. You know, Um that's basically what's going on there. So I, 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 I think that's what his thinking was, was that I can maybe get him to lay down his ace-queen or his ace-ten or his ace-nine or his queen-queen or something. Um, and and he knew we didn't have a jack. So it's a pretty optimal play. I think the guy played it pretty well for being you know in the small blind with ace-eight off. Yeah, I mean, he did the best he could there to win this pot. I mean, obviously he had to consider whether we had a jack, which I, I think the way we played it was not consistent with that. Um, I think his big concern would have been Ace King because that that would have beat him. But all the other aces, um, including the one we had, were chopping there, right? Yeah. So if he can uh, force us out of this pot and keep that whole pot to himself, that's that's what you need to do in that situation. If you feel pretty confident that we're not on Ace King or with a Jack, so um, and, and you look at how we both we analyzed it and how uh, Brennan thought about it. it took a long time and, and they realized it was a tough one. So, I mean, the bet was significant enough to make us consider folding this. So, yeah. I, and I agree with the, I think he said something about he It just didn't make sense or didn't feel right that he had a Jack. I, I really don't think I, it's just tough for me to imagine a Jack defending unless it's ace Jack. And that's such a precise hand to get hit so hard on that flop that you just almost have to dismiss it. So then when you dismiss that, Queen Jack is really the only other hand that maybe they call a raise with like that, but I don't know. Like you said, it was tight aggressive. So if you're tight, you're not playing Jack-10 defending it, and you're going to be out of position to the low jack. So if it's a tight aggressive table and he's following suit with that, it's hard to imagine. But then again, he did defend with Ace-8 off too. That's a hand I'm pretty much folding. Yeah, I mean, I'd be more likely to defend with Jack-10 suited than I would Ace-8 off there so i mean so that, that would be the thing I'd, I'd be concerned about um more than than this naked ace but um he called him tight aggressive though when you seat four were tight aggressive so yeah. i wrote it right here so i, I mean i that's the, who seat four was so I, I don't know that's not too tight to me he was aggressive in the end he was he was pretty passive the whole way through the hand he didn't come yep. alive at any point until the, yep. the end but uh that's a that's a crazy hand to defend with i think if you're a tight aggressive player uh, but hey, uh, that's a good call though. I mean, I think you have to make that call. It's just it's tough to do. You just and you got all you're doing is you're splitting the low jacks money, which is nothing really. But and then the, the rake, so that sucks. But uh, well, thanks for sending another hand. I think. <laughs> all right, I'm Chris Casenza. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Music.